Good morning. Thank you, Tony. 60 years old, huh? That's incredible. Is she here? No? Anyway, 60 years young. I wonder what life would be like when at 60 years old. That's, that's incredible. Anyway, um, turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. This is um, a difficult message to preach for several reasons. First of all, I have one of the most incredible biblical counselors sitting right here at this table. And uh, Daniel's saying, oh no, Chaz, don't say it. But um, so, you know, anger, Chaz, you didn't cover this or you didn't cover this. He's, but it's what you're thinking, maybe. Uh, but um, Daniel right here is this incredible um, uh, young man, I'll say. Daniel and Heidi, I'm just so glad to have them here. But um, dealing with all of the issues that really we're, we're, we're trekking through in Proverbs. And uh, if you ever really, if you ever are in a position where you need help in those areas, please utilize the the, the, the giftedness that we have through Daniel here at uh, Countryside Bible. I'm really, really thankful to have, have him. He, when he first got here, um, you know, no one really knew about him, but I did. And I had, you know, I was overseeing the 128 ministry. So I started channeling all of our interesting cases to Daniel because his schedule was really a little bit more open then, right? And uh, just did a wonder, and that's how I got introduced to. And also, you know, Daniel Heidi, I, my daughter's Heidi, and she's married to a Daniel. So it really made me, I could memorize your name very quickly when you first came to the church. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other is, how do you take a, a, like a shotgun, and you fire it, and the pellets go everywhere? That's kind of like the, 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 the subject of anger uh, in Proverbs. And now I have to actually systematize it in some way which is, is a hard thing to do because um, it's meant to be scattered throughout this book so that we can be reminded of it. It is a very, very important subject. So I'm going to try to bring it together. This won't be comprehensive. We're at kind of a 30,000-foot level. Um, and then the other thing is how do I teach this without it being anecdotal? Like the next time you're in a situation, you know, and someone says something wrong to you, you know, don't be angry, you know. Like, right, that's really going to work, right? And I think oftentimes we'll go to the Proverbs and we, we kind of look at it from an external standpoint. And so we have to really embrace anger like we would any other problem area um, in our lives and, and realize that there's this thing going on in our heart between the, the will and, and the mind, um, actually emotions, mind and will. And there's kind of this interplay going on between them. So today, we'll spend some time in Proverbs at the end, but I need to almost set the stage of how do we as believers treat um, anger? And what is anger? And is anger good or is it bad? So I just kind of wanted to give you that, that overview. Um, does that sound good? And then, so just be digesting what we say today in relationship to how does it, how do, how do I deal with it? And just because I'm not angry outwardly doesn't mean you're not angrily inside. And so we want to attack that. We want to kill that. So that's really how we're, um, and also if you got your handout, if you didn't get a handout, I've kind of set it up as far as questions or answering questions. And I thought that would be the best way for us to understand. So I have like, you know, uh, nine questions and we'll, we'll organize it that way. And that's how we'll try to bring this thing together. So um, you can give me um, my grade afterwards if, if we've done that. And then also wisdom tells me that I have to be done at uh, 10 o'clock. And if I'm not, I'm going to be in trouble. That's wisdom talking to me right now, and I'm listening to it. So I turn into a pumpkin at 10. So we need to get through this thing, right? All right. Um, anger. Um, how do we, you know, deal with it? And, and, and how does our society deal with it? Do remember the Hatfield and the McCoys? You know, this long-standing feud. And now clinical psychologists and, and, and biologists are examining the gene pool of, of these two families. And they're telling us now that this hatred that existed that's a part of American folklore was all a genetic thing. And that this hatred was because of a cyst or a, a little tumor that was on the, you know, whatever inside the body and it released a chemical and it made them short-fused, you know. 
And, and so that's, that's, that's really the reason why oftentimes people look at it, because they don't believe in sin, and they don't believe in, in all of the things that we do in God's word. So the von Hippel-Lindau uh, disease, which affects many family members, can cause tumors, and, and they say these tumors are responsible. Now, I don't want to downplay the physiological effects of things on the body, and, and it, uh, uh, you know, encouraging us maybe in certain scenarios, but to exclusively blame um, just the hatred between these two families on a genetic disorder is, is, is really not what the Bible says. I heard a news report last week, and it said that um, by, let's see, it was 2035 that over half the American population is going to be obese. So we have that to look forward to based on statistics right now. But they said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, it has nothing to do with overeating. Uh, it's a genetic thing, and we will have a solution. Now, I understand there that, that like, I, I look at a donut and I gain 10 pounds. I get that, you know, because of my metabolism. But to, to blame something like overeating or anger or whatever it is to something genetic is, is really not what the Bible is, is speaking to us, and it's not what Solomon is speaking to us today. You know, you think about World War II, um, just the hatred and the anger of, of leadership in Russia and Germany. And over a 10-year period of time, um, between the 1930s and 40s, there would be millions of people, 13 million civilians murdered or killed because of hatred, which is tied to anger. And where does that come from? Is that a genetic thing? And of course, it isn't. But, but it all begins with anger and, it really, and, it, and then it, it basically ends up with, um, with murder. And there's, it, everything kind of falls in between those two uh, caveats, if you will. So just to remind us, we're in the, the phase of our study where we're looking at different, different um, um, areas that Solomon brings out. So today is, is anger, and we're going to get to Proverbs 30 and 31 later on. But this has been an incredible study um, and really been, a pre and, and then I, ask, I, I have to ask the question, why am I teaching this this morning, and what does God want me to, to basically, and this week I've had a lot of opportunities to be angry, believe it or not. Um, I am the director of donor relations at ICR, and I've told my staff, whenever we have a disgruntled individual, you know, um, send that, that phone call to me. So I, I listened to this one phone call and says, I'm through with you, ICR. You guys are totally compromising. I hate you, and he hung up. So, well, how do I deal with that? So I called this gentleman back, and, and I said, uh, hello, sir. I'm not going to reveal his name. Uh, this is uh, Chaz Morris. I'm the director of donor relations, and I just listened to your uh, voicemail, and I would like to help you. And immediately, he said, I am so sorry. I, I'm so sorry that happened. He says, I, I have an anger problem. And he says, it's just, it's just it's haunting me. And I confess it to God, and I confess, Lord, 1 John 1, 9. He just started confessing to me on the phone. You know, and I, I said, oh, that's okay. We all have besetting sins, things that, that he said. But he just went on. And then he started crying over the phone. He says, this has plagued me all my life. This gentleman was like 80 years old. And I thought, wow, Lord, you know, you gave me this incredible illustration. And we talked, and he was good, and we, we hung up, and, and, and everything is good. But it was interesting that, that, that he was so sensitized to anger, a believer in Christ, but struggling with the very thing that we're talking about today. And it begins with the theme statement, the fear of the Lord, humility, uh, receiving the word implanted. And I keep on repeating the same thing because I really do believe we need to understand that portal. How, how do we let um, God's word impregnate our life and change us in the area of, and you fill in the blank, and today is, is anger. And, and we talked about four kinds of people. You've seen this slide before. The reason why I keep on putting up is that if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you haven't repented of your sin, you haven't put your faith in Christ, then, then what we're talking about today, you will just only be able to do anecdotal or external things because God is, um, you know, can't work you because you don't have a softened heart. You know, I was talking to Daniel about marriage counseling. We have two chapters in the book about communication. Well, a couple can really communicate effectively, but if anger is in their heart, they're going to really be sensitized to what's going on in their spouse's heart, and that's not going to bring that marriage together. 
So you can be really well at communicating back and forth, but if the Spirit of God is not working in your heart, then it's all for naught, and you're going to have major problems. It would be almost better if you could harbor it and not even and, and let your mate see that, because, but to be able to communicate, your mate's going to see it, it's not going to help things at all. So we are, most of us that are in here today, are people that are affectionately love God, and we want to do something about these areas in our own life. So we prayerfully go before the throne. We, we open up the word. We, we take all of the advice and wisdoms that's there so that we can glorify God. And that's why we're here. But it starts first with the relationship of Jesus Christ. And we, I just can't overemphasize that. And then the portal is, is really, I believe that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is the portal that we enter into this whole trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him. It's so important for us to understand there is only one source that's going to help us get through this thing, and that's God's word. And not a synchronistic type of a theology where we mix this with, with, with jaded you know, wisdom from, from outside. No, we need to understand what God's word says exclusively and then press on. And then we need to realize that the enemy is, is really not external to us, but our enemy is internal to us. It's what, I like what Roosevelt said, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, and we'll insert being angry, um, you wouldn't sit for a month. I mean, and, and he was being humorous, but he was being serious, and it's like that Pogo um, comic back in the 70s. I, I met the enemy, and the enemy is me, and so we need to understand that that, that, that the solution is external to us. The, the solution is the Holy Spirit of God and God's word. But, but, the, but the, the real enemy is, is within. And so that's kind of the context that I'm setting today, that we need to understand all of that to make these, these, these verses uh, work. Wisdom perfects our path, knowing his word, obeying his will. And his word guides us when anger is, is, is there, or the wrong types of anger, as I should say. In our key verses, uh, I really, it's not in Proverbs. What are you doing? We're in Proverbs. But I, I have to jump to Ephesians chapter 4 and, and these verses in 25 through 32. Because it actually basically helps us with anger. We don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. You know, and then the first, um, really the, the, the first command, be angry and do not sin. So there, anger is part of our life. But, but how does it relate to us? And what type of anger are we talking about? And how long do we hold on to that anger? And can we hold it on for a period of time where the righteous anger becomes sinful and selfish? So, but Ephesians, kind of the, these verses, and, and then the antidote, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and we can't do that without the fruit of the Spirit working in our hearts. So that's kind of the overall introduction. And, and we need to ask the question, believers are commanded at times to be angry. And there are times when we're commanded not to be angry. And so we'll, we'll kind of develop that as we go along. But what is the Bible's first description of anger? Where do we first see it? If we, let's turn to Genesis chapter 4. I think this is important. This is the first time we see man's selfish anger. And we don't see the jealousy of God at this point because this is um, really so close after to the first sin. Well, we see God's holiness, of course, in jettisoning Adam and Eve out of the garden. So that's a reaction, a, a godly reaction to sin, where God basically has to take Adam and Eve and throw them out of the garden. But this is the, the first uh, selfish expression of anger. We have Cain and Abel. You know, Abel's the keeper of the sheep. Cain is a tiller of the ground, verse 2. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And God says, why are you angry, Cain? And why is your countenance fallen. And he says, if you do well, uh, you will be accepted. And if you do not well, a sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And I think that's what we need to understand for us. We can master this through the control of the Holy Spirit. But then Cain, Cain said to his brother, let's go to the field. Do you realize that he had a plan and he was going to murder his, 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 his brother? And, and, and that's the reason why he's going out to the field. Hey, 
Let's go out to the field. I want to show you some uh, corn. I want to show you uh, this great, and then what does he do? And when they were out in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Just think about the number of, of the anger that was in his heart. And just think of him stewing on it. And think about all the things that he did. And he even deceived his brother in getting him out on the field. That, that when anger or lust or any of those sins are in our, our lives, we, we sin in multiple ways. And we know that anger is connected to murder. And we have that connection right here. This made Cain very angry. It was misdirected anger. You know, Cain should have been angry with himself for not making a pleasing sacrifice. And this anger could have helped him realize that he needed to make the correct sacrifice so that his offering would be accepted. That's the believer's response, right? We need to take a step back and say, you know, I'm angry right now. Uh, what do I need to do, Lord? Go to the throne. What do I need to do right now to correct this, this attitude? Is it a righteous anger or is it a selfish anger? But Cain, in an unrighteous manner, did what he did. Which takes us to the third question. Why should a father or mother or spiritual mentor be anxious to instruct and direct a son or daughter in life's journey in the area of anger? Because the Bible addresses it, and all of the mayhem that we have in this world today, even on the news, uh, uh, most of it is, is, is really motivated by anger in one's heart. So, the next question can believers be angry without sinning? You know, let's begin with the definition. You know, it, it begins with what is anger? It's, we're not talking about a momentary outward, um, you know, a, a sin, but we're, we're, we want to kind of nail down. It manifests itself that, that way sometimes, or if you're a clamor-upper like I am, I can have a smiling on my face and be angry in my heart. So we need to understand that anger manifests itself, and there are other people that just explode, you know, and hopefully you don't have to work or you're not, you know, associated with a person like that that's exploding all the time. Or like that gentleman that I uh, talked with on the phone. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a rage. It's an inward. It's a seething resentment. And, and it's, it's a, a willful decision. It's deep-seated. It's determined. It's settled. It's a settled conviction. And that could be either good or bad. And you water it. And you fertilize it. And you let that anger grow. Uh, but it could be a righteous anger, or it could be an unrighteous. We haven't really addressed that yet. But anger can begin with a good emotion, and yet Satan then can use it for his advantages if we hold on to it long enough. So um, what are the two main types of anger? Uh, there's a, a righteous anger, or there is a, a, an unrighteous or selfish anger. Uh, anger can be good. Um, it can be bad. The, God's jealous anger. We say God is a, a jealous God. We, for those of you who've gone through partners, you know, you, you go through the, the, the chapter two and you say, oh, jealous. How do I understand the jealousy of God? Well, it's reacting to sin. It's holiness reacting to sin and it manifests itself outward by God either saying, okay, uh, you guys are going to go into captivity in Ezekiel. Or, um, uh, oh, you know, Moses, you were angry. You struck a rock, so you're not going to go into, um, you know, the promised land. So the jealousy kind of, it, it manifests itself outward when God's holy character is violated. So that text is to what is righteous anger and what's its source? Uh, it, it, we need to be angry, but do not sin. Uh, it's a statement, you know, Paul is legitimizing righteous indignation but, but we have to qualify that. Uh, in, in Numbers chapter 20, the whole congregation is in the wilderness. And, and there's no water for the congregation. I'm going to get to, if you want to turn there, it's a really important thing. Because we see Moses, this righteous man, leading Israel. And, and anger gets the best of him in this chapter. You know, in Numbers 28, take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and your brother Aaron, and command the rock before the eyes to yield its water. So all that God wants Moses to do is talk to the rock in the presence of the congregation. And what did he do in verse 11? He struck the rock twice with his staff. And, and, and he was angry. And he basically rebuked Israel in his statements. And then, but then the Lord said to Moses, and this was just, oh no, what have I done? Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, who is a culpable 
partner in that exchange of hitting the rock. Because you did not trust me to show my holiness before the eyes of Israelites. So the Israelites probably knew that the command was to speak, and he hid it. So you have disregarded my word, and therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So God, Moses failed to take God at his word and treat him as holy before the people. So that was, it started out, though, as a righteous anger, didn't it? You know, he was angry with Israel. He was angry with their stubbornness and their, and, their, and their resistance to God. But he held on to it too long, and it turned to bitterness. And Ezekiel even does the same thing, where God says, Ezekiel, you need to be quiet now. And when you speak, I want you to speak exclusively my word, because I know you're going to be tempted to be angry and insert your anger to what I am actually communicating in the nation Israel. And that's why I think James 3.1 is so important. Let there not be many teachers among you because we're going to incur a more stricter judgment. So it's like, you know, for Brian and Dwight and I and any of you who teach the word, most of you do, to be able to represent God's word. I don't, we don't want to end up, you know, before the holy God and, 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 and just be chastised. We won't be chastised, but the bottom line is, is we need to be really careful um, what our words are. I'm talking about when we go, go into the Lord's presence. So Moses had failed to trust, trust Yahweh. In the same way Israel had failed to trust Yahweh 38 years later. So Moses is just as culpable at this point as Israel. And guess what? He ain't going into the promised land. So that really takes us to the, the next question. Is that, uh, what is sinful uh, anger? You know, the righteous anger emanates from God's holy character. And we're going to address that a little bit more further on. Where, where we look at abortion, we look at uh, pornography, we, we have this, this, this hatred towards um, the things that are, you know, holy before God. And, and, and that's the righteous anger. But then wh where does anger originate? What's the source? And, and of course, um, it originated from, from God. Um, and, and then, of course, we see what, what happened with, with Moses. But what is sinful anger? You know, what, how does sinful anger uh, relate to us? And, and it really begins with, in fact, it begins with the heart. It begins with, with our heart attitude. Uh, in Mark um, 3, 4, 3, 4, Jesus says, He looked around at them with anger. That was a righteous anger. The Pharisees had said to Jesus, you know, um, you know, they had that attitude. And Jesus expressed a righteous anger um, and the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees. And so all of these account, accounts are there where anger is there. Jesus in John chapter 2, verse 15, took a, a cord and a whip, remember? And he drove the money changers out. And he did that again at the end of his ministry at Matthew 21. But he was always angered when the father was maligned or when others were mistreated. But this was the good anger, the, the righteous anger, and it's unselfish. And I wanted to define that a little bit further before we go into defining the, the other side of it. You know, um, genuine love cannot be help but being um, angered at which injures the object or the love of God's word. And of course, Moses, um, you know, transgressed and, and kind of came over onto that other side. In Ecclesiastes 3.8, it says there's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And these are general axioms, but yet Solomon even includes the, 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 basically the indication that there is a time for anger. You who love the Lord hate evil, uh, is Psalm 97.10. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, Proverbs chapter 8. Uh, hate evil, love good, establish justice at the gate. So we're commanded to hate specific forms of evil um, in order to reflect God's righteous hatred of those things. So throughout Scripture, uh, there are six things that God hates to go along with these seven abominations. Uh, he hates pride, arrogance, the evil way, perverse speech, false worship. All of these things are, are righteous forms of anger. Anything that's opposed to God's word. We have examples, and I can't really get into it with Nehemiah. He comes back after, you know, building the wall. And, and he's angry. 
He is righteously angry. He, he, because they married the women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. The Israelites start entering into these covenant relationships with, with, um, with the, the, the foreign women that are outside the city. And so half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. And, and they could not speak the language of Judah, which means they couldn't understand God's holy word in Christian education. And, and, and he commanded with them. He cursed them. He beat some of them and he pulled out their hair. Wow. <laughs> That's a righteous anger. Because he was trying to make a point. Because they were going to fall into idolatry and be, you know, and, and, and follow the same route that Israel was in um, during the captivity. And then he says in verse 26, Did not King Solomon of Israel sin on account of such women? Now we're back to Proverbs, right? And he's saying, if you don't follow wisdom's path, you're going to be like Solomon. And, 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 and that's how that all ties in. Among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was beloved by God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. But that's that righteous anger. And we see that in Lamentations. And we see it all the way through the New Testament. And, and that takes us to uh, the, 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 the wrong forms of anger. And we start with like Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. You know, it talks in Colossians three sixteen that, that if we behave in a certain way, we, we are subject to the wrath of God and all of these things. But what is sinful anger? Anger that is self-destructive and self-serving. Uh, we see that in Matthew 5, 21 and 22. I'll read verse 22. Uh, but if I say that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. I mean, those are pretty strong words by our Lord. And, but what he's talking about, he's not talking about that righteous anger that we've kind of laid out briefly, but we're talking about that sinful anger that reacts in a selfish way. The anger that is selfish, undisciplined, uh, one author said, and vindictive is sinful and has no place even temporarily in the Christian life. And, and it's interesting that even in this verse in Ephesians 4 that we started with, that even righteous anger can easily turn to bitterness. So don't let the sun go down on your anger, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Hold it if you have to. If you have to confront your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your son or your daughter or someone here that you're mentoring, you, you may have to say, hey, this is not right, brother. And, and the word says this and have some firmness and anger. But don't hold on to it to the extent that it becomes bitter in your own soul. Be angry and do not sin. You know, anger may come in a moment, overtake a believer, and because it has such strong tendency to grow and fester, it should be dealt with immediately. It should be confessed. That's where I think we, we make the mistake of not going immediately to the throne like the psalmist and say, Lord, I'm, I'm having these better feelings toward my, my brother or my sister. Help me. I confess my sin to you, but, you know, help me. And then go to the Word and see what the Word, how it can instruct us and bathe our, you know, go to Matthew 18. Our, you know, our sins are little compared to the magnanimity of God's gracious compassion towards us. We start reminding, we start talking to ourselves. How do we offend God every day? And this little offense from the brother and sister of Christ is just minuscule compared to the offense that we have against God. Even the strongest and most mature believer should hold anger like a hot potato. Have you ever taken a hot potato out of the oven? I, we had our um, we had a bunch of people over on Christmas, you know, for the th or Thanksgiving gatherings, right? So I did baked potatoes. Okay, so I had an oven full of like sixty baked potatoes. How am I going to get them out? They want they they told me to put them on the rack. You know, so I, I can't even, I have to take them out individually, you know, and, and they're buttered and they've got salt. So it's just like hot potato, hot potato, hot potato, you know. And if I held on to it for a long period of time, it would scorch my hand. But, but really quickly, holding on to it and putting a plate, it, it, it wouldn't do any major damage. I still have a few scars. No, I don't. So. <laughs> Romans twelve seventeen. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. What's at the heart of that? That's anger. 
Uh, but, but take thought of what is noble in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. So there's an open door. We do need to be angry at times, be, live peaceably with all. And that doesn't uh, negate, um, you know, church discipline where, you, where a brother has to come to you and say, hey, there's some things going on in your life. And, and so you follow that process in Matthew 18. But, not, but, but nonetheless, we want to live and behave in a way that we live peaceably with all men and, and exclude that selfish anger that sometimes is, is plaguing us. You know, in any case of anger, whether legitimate or not, if it's not courted uh, uh, correctly, it will take an advantage. That's what 2 Corinthians 2.11 says. So even something as good as, as a righteous anger, Satan can use that for his um, advantage. Well, that takes us to, what does the proverb say? Here, you know, I only have about 20 minutes left because I turned into a pumpkin at 10. And we haven't even talked about proverbs, right? So I would encourage you, number one, is um, the verses are going to pop up here. We're going to go through. We're gonna, I'm not categorizing them. I'm just going to go from chapter 3 and highlight some of the major ones. And we're going to go through to the end. But think about it. When we talk about anger, think about the consequences of selfish anger in, in your own life. And this should motivate all of us to be ready for those, those, those situations where we could easily react the wrong way. So it begins with Proverbs 3.31. You know, do not, let, do not envy the violent and do not choose any of their ways. Violence is, of course, associated with anger, right? So we have this illustration of a violent person, but, but don't choose any of their ways, which implies that if we're around them for long enough, we could basically, um, uh, they could rub off on us or we could let them willfully rub off on us. I remember there was this individual that I worked with in, uh, in, in a job, and, and when he started working for that, 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 that company organization, he was really happy-go-lucky, but he was thrust uh, into an office with another very um, uh, temperamental and a person prone to anger. And that individual, over time, became just like the individual that he was closest with. It was an amazing. Uh, at the beginning, he was, you know, really good, um, really good person. He, he was humble, had a good attitude. You could talk with him. But after 10 years, he was actually identical to the person that he was closest with in that work environment. And that's what this verse is saying, you know. And, and James 4, 1 through 11, you, know, you want to kind of park that verse in there, is that these conflicts, disputes among you, which are motivated by anger, where do they come from? Um, don't they come from your cravings that war within you? See, James is basically giving us the rest of the meat of what Solomon is talking about in these verses. So that's Proverbs, that's the first section. Proverbs 6.17, you know, haughty eyes, um, pride, pride and anger are, are, are close, close kissing cousins, if you will. Pride and anger and, and hatred, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. You know, anger is the motivator behind murder, and, and we see that all the way through Scripture. Proverbs, uh, we can go on. Proverbs 6.34. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury and he shows no restraint when he takes revenge. We talked about, you know, the, the, the naive one and, and him being lured by a wife. Well, what, what did that situation look like afterwards? What happened when the husband came home? And, and so basically, Solomon is saying his anger is really bad and it could really make your life really, really bad you know, as a victim of, of some sort of a, another sinful practice that you're participating in, anger could come back and bite you, is what he's saying. And in a healthy society, adultery is social suicide because of this anger. And, and we have the internet now. So the, you know, a husband is, you know, of a wife who's been, you know, or a, a wife of a husband, it's very easy to communicate what's gone on in social media. So, I mean, it is really incredible how, how word can get out and perceptions can be um, reality or non-perceptions, how fact can become known to everyone at the same time. Proverbs 10, 6. Blessings on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So, there's, so the hatred is there, 
it's concealing, it's concealing. Um, and then you go to, which I really like is the, the next verse, uh, verses 11 and 12. Um, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It's the same word for cover. So isn't it interesting? Because of love, you, you want to cover and conceal maybe the imperfections of another individual. But hatred, if it's in the heart, is going to reveal that. And don't, boy, don't we have the power of revealing that now with our social media. And it doesn't come back. It, even guilty or innocent, the word gets out and it's done its damage. We look at Joab, I, I can't get into his actions, but you know, he was David's uh, right-hand man, right? And he actually was angry a lot where he would basically kill his opponents like Abner or other situations he's in. You could tell that was an individual if you want to look at Joab's conduct where he wasn't really obeying the king. You know, he goes to Absalom, he puts th three spears through his heart because he hates, you know, Absalom. You know, so it's, it's just that anger out of control. Proverbs 14, 17. One who is quick-tempered acts foolishly, and the schemer is hated. Wow. Um, you know, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. And that's in a, 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 a parallel passage in Psalm 37. Chapter 7 through 9. So even the psalmist is giving us instruction about fleeing that selfish anger. Proverbs 15, 1. We're going to jump forward. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, what does it do? It stirs up anger. Now, if you're prepared, you hear a harsh word, the Holy Spirit is in control over your life. You've been dealing with that. You're ready for it. The armor's up. It's not going to have that reaction. But by and large, in a, in a sinful world, in an unsaved world, that's going to be the reaction. That's what's going to happen when a perverse person spreads strife. And, 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 that's, and, that's, and that's, but a soft answer, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, it's interesting, that harsh word is singular. It's singular in the Hebrew. So it's one word, one word. And so, you know, we're emphasizing the fact that, that just even one word can stir up strife. That's, that's really the point that, that the author is making here. Uh, Proverbs 15, 18. Uh, those who are hot-tempered stir up strife, but those who are slow to anger, calm contention. Don't you want to be on that end? To be able to be the one who basically stops that from, from continuing? Hot heads are contrasted with peacemakers here. So the positive in all this is that we need to be prepared so that we can maybe take care of that gossip that's going on. And, and we can stand up. And, and I think that's where... You know, anger, uh, sometimes when we are silent, we should have been speaking. And other times when we should have been speaking, we should have been silent. So it just depends on what that anger is and how we're motivated and what's, what's going on. So quarrels depend on people far more than the subject matter from this verse. It really doesn't matter. Well, the subject matter appears, but it could be perception. It could be untruth. But the focus is, is, is we're the ones that basically escalate this thing and turn a little, a little campfire into a, a blazing Southern California, Santa Ana wind-driven um, brush fire, which is, has the, all the Santa Monica Mountains uh, lit up. And James talks about that too, the power of the tongue. Archibald, uh, R.T. Archibald said, peacemakers in the disciples' prayer carry about with them an atmosphere in which quarrels die a natural death. Don't you like that? I'll say it again. This is Archibald's quote, peacemakers, and he's talking about blessed are the peacemakers in, in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. They carry about with them an atmosphere in which quarrels die a natural death. And we need to be that, those people. And the only way we can is, again, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Word, and, and, doing, and doing all the things that we need to do is to be ready to withstand those, those things that come at us. And then gestures. A perverse person spreads strife, uh, 1628. 
And a whisper separates close friends. So sows rather than spreads is, is a better word. Some of your translations, some of you have sow. Uh, spread is the idea. That word spread in the Hebrew was used um, in Judges. Remember when Samson lit the, uh, the, the tails of fire on the foxes? Remember? And they went out and they basically, all, the, <laughs> all of the crops are on fire. Well, that's the word spread. And that's the same Hebrew word. So the release of flaming foxes in the Philistines' cornfields is, is the idea of spreading strife. Isn't that an incredible graphic? And that could be just one word. You know, adding to that other uh, passage to that. Uh, one who winks with the eyes so that we communicate um, uh, in more than we could be completely, you know, closed mouth and still communicate strife. And anger, um, we can do it with our cell phones now too, can't we? Have you ever been the recipient of one of those really interesting texts from someone and they're angry and so then they cap all the letters? <laughs> That's anger. And they haven't, even, they haven't even, you know, opened their, so even now I think it's much more, you know, when Patty um, would sometimes be admonishing and I would read you know maybe a text I said you know honey are we sure we want to hit return on that one <laughs> you know because you'll never be able to get it back and so I think we maybe we better call that person or get, have coffee with them because it's probably and how many times are we we do something and we go oh wish I, I wish I could get that text back because I I sent it in anger you know and I'm talking about me I'm not trying to point fingers at you uh, this is all chaz and, and applying it in my own life. We could go on and on. We're only in chapter 16. One who's slow to anger is better than the mighty. The one whose temper is controlled than the one who captures the city. Then we have Proverbs 17.1. Uh, one. one who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. That's the watering. That's the fertilizing. And, 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 it, and it just, it doesn't work. We can't dwell on disputes. We need to deal with them if it's a habitual type of sin that needs to be addressed. But otherwise, if it's one of these polka-dotted, you know, offenses where they, someone doesn't even realize that they've offended you, then we need to address those things in the heart quickly. Proverbs 17, 9, in uh, following, um, that's it. It starts 1719. Uh, one who loves transgressions loves strife, but one who builds a high threshold invites broken bones. So love sin, uh, you love strife. Arrogance, both manward and godward, must be paid for, is basically what this is saying. And we go on to Proverbs. This is a really interesting one, the middle one. At the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So to, so to stop before the quarrel be, breaks out. Can you actually restrain water? Like sometimes I get really, you know, uh, my hands hit this and the water is everywhere. It soaks my Bible and whatnot. So we'll put this over here. But the, when water is out of control, you can't bring it back, right? And I love this illustration. Um, in Santa Clarita, there used to be a really huge dam um, it was the St. Francis Dam. This was back in the 1920s, uh, 1924 to 26. And uh, they basically um, um, tried to use the, 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 this, there's actually big earthquake faults going through here and here. And in time, um, the dam broke. And um, it was catastrophic. Billions, 12 billion gallons of water went down the, the canyon went all the way over to where Master's Conference, and went all the way out to Ventura, and it killed oh, 500 people in a matter of an, an hour. But how can, when that dam bursts, how can you get that water back? You can't. This is what it looked like afterwards. They call that the tombstone. You know, that one, just that one wall, it looks like a tombstone, but they call that the tombstone. That was all remaining after the breach. But the point is, is that we need to control it. If we don't control our anger, it's, it's like the floodwaters. One who spares words is knowledgeable, but the one who is cool in spirit has understanding. Even fools, when they keep silent, they're going to be considered wise. Don't need to really elaborate on that one, right? It's just, it's better sometimes just to be quiet and, and analyze 
Many of you are gifted to do that, and that's one thing I need to concern myself with. In many words, sin abounds. So we go on to 18.6. A fool's lips bring strife, and a fool's mouth invites flogging. So I'm going to stop here. We have about 10 more passages to, to go to, but it's very easy for you if you want to fill this out and have more illustrations. Just put anger in, in your search engine and these these or malice or dissension or any of those words and these 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 verses will pop up. I'm going to go ahead and and get a little head so that we can um, um, finish out with the application. But there's there's about 25 verses or so that deal specifically with anger in the book of Proverbs, and there's a ton of other verses as you've seen there throughout Scripture and illustrations that we have that color. Um, all of this. So I'm just jumping through. These slides will be posted on, the, um, on my little thing. So if you want to look at these verses, you can go back and look at the slide set and you'll have those. I just wanted to be complete and comprehensive. Um, but this is their outline. What are the implications? What are the implications? And they're there written in your handout um, for a believer and a non-believer. Uh, first of all, um, what are the implications? First of all, trust in the finished work of Christ. We need to, if you're not a believer, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it begins with, with that relationship, as I said before. And number two, anger is regulated both internally and externally by the Holy Spirit's control. Uh, principles and safeguards are in place for every believer. And anger involves the entire heart, right? It involves the, the emotions, Basically talking to the intellect and the intellect saying, okay, I, I either good, good, and I make a willful decision that's correct, or I'm influenced by this anger and it influenced my thinking and therefore I make a decision that's detrimental and, and, I'm, and I have to face the consequences of some of the verses that we just talked about today. Number three, accept and properly plan on the likelihood of being tapped in anger's hold or trapped in anger's hold. We all need to understand that whether or not you're a, a clamor upper or you, an explore, explore, you explode, it's the same sin and God is gonna deal with me and with you because of what's going on in the heart. As Christ said, if, you, if you're angry with your brother, you have um, committed uh, murder, not physically, but, but just the connection between the two. Let's see if I go on. Let me go that. Um, trust in the Lord. Uh, anger is regulated. Number three, accept and properly plan on the likelihood. Number four, temptation to sin comes in waves involving a series, could be a series. It may be you just make a decision and you sin. But oftentimes you might be able to sense or pulse that I'm getting more and more angry. There was another situation that happened this work, uh, not this week. And I realized that I was watering it. And I realized that it was indeed anger in my heart. And I had to stop real quick and confess that as sin. But I could have kept on making those sinful decisions and letting that affect even my ability to um, teach this lesson this morning. But the, the idea is, is dealing with it very quickly. Temptation to sin comes in waves. And godly anger, hold on to it for a short time, but, but, but treat it like a, a hot potato. Don't, don't dwell on it. Deal with it and then, and then let go of it. Or selfish anger, forsake as quickly as you can using divine provisions. And, and the bottom line is forgiveness balances anger's response. Always remember the rest of redemption's story. And, and we, we need to understand the, 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 the character of the God that we deal with. And Jonah, remember, he, he basically was angry at God. That was a selfish anger. Why? Because God's anger had basically ceased toward Nineveh because they repented. Isn't that cool? So there's forgiveness. And, you know, and Jonah said, wow, I knew you were going to react that way. Is this, is this what I said in Jonah 4.2? I said while I was still in my own country, that's why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent. That's the attitude that we have to have. Jonah basically was angry selfishly, but we have that contrasted with God's just a, a, a jealous God, but yet who is so willing to forgive, 
when he senses a repentance heart. So let me go back, and I have some books to um, recommend. I talked to Daniel and um, uh, Uprooting Anger by, by Robert Jones. Uh, Lou Priolo does The Heart of Anger, uh, and it's great for parents. And there's also a booklet or a, a workbook. And, and so those are really good things. Uh, Get Out of My Face, I haven't read, but I, w- I read the reviews on it by, by the good guys. And they said, uh, Rick Horn, um, he has a, there are a variety of issues that he doesn't address, but he's, there's plenty of good counsel. So one reviewer says, have, have um, that book out, a Horn's book, uh, Get Out of My Face, and then have Lou Priolo's book, Heart of Anger, together and read them in concert and they'll balance out each other. So you have really good illustrations, but then you get a really good concentrated dose of the word through, through Lou's uh, book. So these are some of the books, Fighting Death and, and others. And these will be on my slides if you want to um, go. Stuart Scott's book is excellent, uh, Anger, Anxiety, and Fear. And, and these men are just, these, these, those are safe, safe environments to go into. You know, Wayne Mack or Stuart Scott. Um, and, and these men are, are just incredible. So there's overall, uh, it's 9.57, just to remind you, I have three minutes before I turn into a pumpkin. Tony, have you, have you noted that? Yeah, he's noted that, okay. So there are two types of, of anger. And oftentimes we are silent when we should speak up, right? Uh, when it comes to God's character, when it comes to situations where at work and God's name is taken in vain. And maybe we should say, you know what? That just really offends me because of the God that I serve. And we, you know, you, you are gonna be held culpable with that sin, that blasphemy. Um, so could you stop that in my presence at least? There are times when we don't do that, that we're quiet, that we should speak up. And that's when anger is legitimate. But also there are times when we should just be quiet, right? Rather than uh, revealing our anger. Quiet when we have selfish anger. And, And when we sense that, we need to confess it right away. We need to deal with it so that it'll be under the wraps of a, a forgiving God and then the Holy Spirit that's going to give us love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all the other things, all those other attributes which, which attack. So the, the bottom line is never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Uh, if it possible, so far it depends on you, be at peace with all men if you can, and do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil, and that's anger with, with, with good. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, uh, a very, very uh, deep subject, but one that um, really began uh, with the first family. And and anger turned into hatred, which turned into um, murder. And and the rest of the the time that that man has been on this earth, uh, anger, 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 motivating people to do really heinous things. And yet, um, uh, rather than just pointing fingers at at the history of of everything that's occurred up to now, we need to understand that that, that we can harbor those same motives, even as believers in Christ. And and we need to be sensitized so that we deal with these, these things, that we have met the enemy. The enemy is us. And if we were to kick the one responsible for the way react, we would not be able to sit down, as Teddy Roosevelt said. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, this time in your word, and we pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.